and welcome to a new mini-episode of Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This shorter, more off-the-cuff format allows you to hear our quick takes on breaking news. So the VP debate was, what, two nights ago at this point? That's right. It was definitely more civil and better than the presidential debate, but, well, that was, uh, that was definitely a low bar. The 2016 VP debate, uh, Mike Pence v. Tim Kaine, it did not prevent Kamala and everyone else from underestimating, underestimating Mike Pence because Tim Kaine wasn't that great. He wasn't great at performing at debates. And Mike Pence did really well, but people thought that it was just because of Tim Kaine. But it was clear to the American people and to everyone that Kamala was someone far more aggressive. And most people, like us, thought that she would obliterate Mike Pence. But Pence actually did really well. He was prepared, definitely more than the president, who only spent two hours with Chris Christie. He anticipated all of Kamala's speaking points. He knew exactly where to nail her. And he did it. He nailed her on the core packing question. And Kamala definitely panicked. She tried to get into a story about Abraham Lincoln in 1864 to pivot it towards them trying to nominate a Supreme Court justice before the election, which was also bad. And... He also appealed to genuine conservative values when he used her words against her to tell the American people that their taxes were going to be raised right to the camera. That's what he said. And I think he really scored some points there. He had a lot to make up for. Make no mistake. He had to pretty much sell a house that was on fire. And honestly, I don't think he changed much, but I think it gives the Trump administration a little more clarity. Now, going to Kamala, she did. Hold on. Hold on. That's not that's that. Come on, man. He did, he did nothing but exaggerate Trump's record, lie about Biden's record, and suck up to whatever Trumpist nationalists, nationalists were out there. He, it was a clear red meat to the base, which is a shrinking base that has already evaporated beyond the Bannon, the Bannon line. He, he went off topic so many times. I forgot what, t- what topic was being discussed. I, I, and even with you know, the moderator, she tried, I think Susan Page, she tried to intervene. More than Wallace, she had good questions, but no, it, it Pence is still a Trump guy at heart. He was going to flout the rules to make a point. He, yes, he did make a good point about the court packing. That's something Kamala is and Biden are going to have to answer for. But look at everything else. Biden, he is his own entity. He's not a Chinese puppet. He is a career public servant. He's going to take into account all Americans. And he's promised to not raise taxes on anyone who makes under $400,000 a year. Listen, Pence got at the fact that Kamala and Joe are different on the spectrum. Kamala is far more to the left than Joe is. And you can see that through when they discuss climate change. And Pence made it clear that Kamala supported more of the original Green New Deal than Biden would have liked. And, you know, Pence really got at that. But listen, even if Joe Biden made the promise, which, by the way, I'm not sure he's going to keep that he won't raise taxes on those making less than $400,000. Do you really think that in practice, if Biden gets elected president, he would really keep his word? He has big plans, big environmental plans, which I don't that's, entirely well, well, that's not the point. The point is that, well, yeah, well, yes, that, that is the thing. But the, the, point, the point is that Pence is trying to tie Biden to socialism. He's clearly not that. And whatever he may do on, t- on taxes for people living under $400,000 a year, where he's going to keep that promise. Kamala was right to hit back on Pence's spouting of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. She was right to talk about the economic condition. She was right to go after the economic piece of artificial climate change and the COVID crisis. 
she might, might have not have gone full prosecutor mode on the vice president because, well, there are a few theories out there. I mean, could have just tried to not give off the unfortunate angry black woman stereotype, which again, unfortunately still persists. Or she might just wanted to let him self-destruct and go on the path towards full Trumpism, which, well, as Pete Buttigieg said on Fox News, the evangelical Christian is backing a reality TV host who had an affair with, with an adult film star. Clearly, Pence is full Trump, and Kamala really tried to play into that. I agree that Pence got on a few things, but there was an analogy that basically said they could have won by 14 runs, but they won by 10, and that's all right. You're right. It did, it's probably not going to move the needle. It's not going to be a game changer, but they did what they had to do. Kamala did what she had to do, and Trump is going to keep bleeding support anyways. At this point, Trump will not be bleeding any support, I can assure you. He's already bled all the support he's going to lose. You got to remember how Adam and his face has his bases that's supporting him, regardless of what he says, regardless of what Mike Pence says, regardless of what Joe Biden says. And for that reason, I just think that Mike Pence exceeded the bar that was set for him. And I think even Kamala Harris was was a little flustered by this. I really liked, especially now. I I'm not a big I'm not, I'm not a fan of Mike Pence, but I really liked when he was asked about unity in America and partisan polarity. And I think he really cleverly used the story of Antonin Scalia and RBG to really bridge the two sides together. Now, don't get me wrong, but Mike Pence is far from somebody who unites the nation, but I think that was a really good example that he used. It's but putting Trumpism through the car wash. I mean, they're not, if, he, if he's playing a 2024, that's not the point of this debate. That's not the, he, he, he's not going to be able to run in 2024 without the stigma of Trump because he is, as I said, he's immersed himself in Trump world. He's taken Trump's tactics. He's close. He's been affiliated with him for years now. And if it wasn't for Trump, he would be still in Indiana right now as a being viewed as a backwards governor by the media who discriminates against gay people daily. That's that's all he would ever be if it weren't for Trump. So this is really just Pence at his most desperate trying to get some kind of future out of this. He's already sold his soul to the to the devil. I think something we can agree on, though, is that the moderator, Susan Page, was pretty ineffective. Oh, she wasn't effective. That, 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 no doubt. The question I mean, is, what is the moderator supposed to do? She said, thank you, Vice President Pence. Thank you, Vice President Pence. I wouldn't be surprised if he viewed it more as a suggestion than of an actual, you know, of an actual definitive message. Please stop talking. She, she didn't even bother to fact check anybody. When Pence said that he and Trump had a health care plan that protected those of pre-existing conditions... Nobody stood up. The moderator did not stand up and say, you know what, that, that's false. So she didn't really do anything. I mean, they need, a, they need a Chiron at the bottom of the screen, basically, fact-checking in real time. They need Daniel Dale on standby to, to go over all of it. If it's one thing good about the virtual debate, I mean, if it even happens, and it will happen because Trump needs a camera, and that, and that is an opportunity for a camera. They're gonna, they have the ability to mute, to cut the mics, They'll have the ability to create a chess clock model. They'll be able to really go all out with the virtual setting and actually use it to their advantage. The House Judiciary Committee, led by Democrats, have held hearings involving big tech companies like Google and Amazon. The House has discussed possible antitrust law reform to fit more around the big tech companies. In a 450-page report, House lawmakers claim that these big tech companies have abused their monopoly powers. 
The House Judiciary Committee alleged that Amazon uses its vast data reach to undercut competing items in their store. Apple abuses rival apps in, in their app store with fees, search ranking manipulation, and a generally restricted app ecosystem. Facebook buys out all major competition and then meddles with their new subsidiaries in order to not mess with the main Facebook site, which is internal collusion. And Google abuses its data collection partners and stifles competing sites like Yelp with manipulated search rankings and, and algorithm manip- manipulation. The report recommended that, that there be breakups, like you said, reforming of antitrust le- legislation for the first time since the 1970s, and new regulation for acquisitions of tech startups, such as when Instagram was bought by Facebook or when WhatsApp was bought by Facebook. I mean, I, I honestly recommend watching the Technocracy documentary series on YouTube if you want to learn more about all these stories and more of what big tech is doing. But for right now, you can do these three things, okay? One, download Signal Messenger. You need to get off iMessage and WhatsApp because they are not properly encrypted and they are not open source. That basically means you cannot trust them. You cannot trust them with your private conversations. And even if it's Apple and they say, oh, privacy, that's iPhone, no one can go inside and actually verify that what they're saying is true. Only that's true, yeah. It's indep- there are no independent arbiters. And WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. And Facebook uses every single bit of metadata they have to track you, even if you don't have a Facebook account. So I recommend using the Signal Messenger for every communication because SMS, regular text message messages are simply weak. No one under 50 in Europe or Asia uses them anymore. So we need to, we need to get a move on that. Two, get DuckDuckGo. It's a search engine that doesn't track anything you do. You can put it on any of your browsers. You can download their mini browser app in Android or iOS on your Apple device, and they don't track anything. They give you a nice little button to erase all your data, and they've been, they've been growing popularity for years now. And this is because Google search tracks everything you do. They flood your account with cookies and all sorts of nasty trackers and bloatware that completely hemorrhage your battery usage. And that brings us to number three, move on to the Brave browser. Just like Google search, Google Chrome tracks everything you do with cookies and they stuff you with bloatware. They slow down your computer because they eat up so much RAM. So if you don't want to be tracked and want to have an actual faster experience, use the Brave browser with DuckDuckGo. Not only can you stop tracking, you can set up shields, little shields on, on the top of the browser, but the search bar, you can configure whatever you want. You can set different levels of security with cookies and trackers and JavaScript, and you can block and it, and it blocks ads automatically. You don't have to worry about ads anymore if you use the Brave browser. Links will be in the description, okay? Because this is very important. This is the 21st century, and we need to protect ourselves. Do you remember learning about the Gilded Age in our A Push class, Jacob, with Kevin? Oh yeah, that was really fun. Well, that was a lot of fun, and I suppose you know. All of this really reminds me of the Gilded Age, when these big monopolies were starting to gain a lot of traction, they were getting a lot of power, and nobody was really sure how to deal with them. I think we're kind of seeing a resurgence of that in the 21st century with these big tech companies. Their leaders, just like the oil barons of the 1870s, are growing richer and richer and richer, and they're consolidating more and more of their corporate power. And back then, we had Theodore Roosevelt, who broke up the monopolies with his bare hands, and... Looking at that in the 21st century, I just don't see Trump ever doing something remotely close to what Teddy Roosevelt did, because he's a businessman. He sympathizes more of these corporations. And besides, it's just not on his list of priorities. 
I mean, one of the priorities is protecting conservative voices, which is a problem. And conser- and Republicans on the House panel issued their own report, basically singling out conservative bias, bias against conservatives within sites like Twitter or Google, which is true, which is a pattern. But it's not as it's not it's it, it's part of a larger problem than anything else. It is something that needs to be dealt with in, in conjunction with the monopolist power of these companies. And instead of instead of repealing Section 230, which would throw the internet into chaos, as much as need as much as it needs reforming, that these tech companies need to be held liable for what they do and what they don't do in terms of to their users and their content. There is a reason why Section 230, which which removes all liability exists. It, it, do, it does do something. Instead of going on a crusade against that, we should be talking about how to properly contain these new companies. Instead of oil, coal, and steel, it's data and cookies and there's a livelihood. The internet is not just bits. It's not just ones and zeros. It's how we communicate. It's how we shop. It's how we eat. We wouldn't be able to do anything in this pandemic if it weren't for all the technology we've grown accustomed to over the last decade and a half. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on social media and join the ongoing conversation on our Discord server.